The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson and Mitch Fortner. Wildcat Insider on KMAN, and the band is back. Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson. Sage Williams is with us today wearing her Pride of Hutchinson shirt or sweatshirt. Is that like a college sweatshirt or is that just like a high school one? Um, It's for high school. My dad okay. works at Hutchinson High School, there so he's just like, here you go. Salthawks. Well, Salthawks, yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. I, I, yeah. I didn't want to get them mixed up with uh, the community college. That's the Blue Dragons or whatever. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That a boy. Look at him. Uh, I used to call some Juco basketball back in the day <laughs> and some soccer, you know? Uh, again, welcome into Wildcat Insider. A lot of talk about K-State men's basketball, losing a couple of times on the road, one in Big 12 play and one in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. The K-State women's basketball getting a little shout-out from the selection committee on where they could possibly land in when March Madness rolls around a little over a month. But also we will talk some K-State football, get some Twitter questions in, and of course take a look at the, uh, curtain, uh, the current layout of the Big 12 with a especially a big game coming tomorrow with old Chris Beard returning to Lubbock. <laughs> that will be fun. But what wasn't really fun, I would say, the last week was uh, the results of Casey Men's basketball in the road trip that they had. They start out with a loss at Baylor, the number four team in the country, 74-49. to And then the loss two days ago at Ole Miss in Oxford, 67-56. to I guess we can start with the Baylor game. Um, I, I suppose the big storyline was Selton Miguel coming up injured, hurting his ankle. He's taken to the back. Uh, we don't see him for the rest of the game, and it turns out he might be out 10 weeks, or I'm sorry, uh, 10 days to two weeks. Um, but just overall, it was the first time this year that K State just really got spanked. Like from start to finish, it, it just didn't feel like they had a shot. Uh, we saw that a ton last year, but it's the first time this year where they just didn't seem like they had what it take to compete against a team like Baylor. First of all, good to be back in studio with you after yeah. a couple of weeks uh, on the road. But but I think you said it well. I, I would add, I think there was certainly, and let's be honest about this, there was a KU hangover going sure. into the game in Waco, Texas. You know, you said it well. This team took some beatings like that frequently a year ago. Not so much this time. They've lost games. At 10 and 10, that's pretty obvious. But I don't think they've really been just dominated, no no real threat to the opposition like what we saw in Waco, Texas. And keep in mind, Baylor played without James Akinjo, their starting point guard. They put L.J. Cryer in the lineup, and I thought he was really good. The, the, the big key here was K-State got exposed, if you want to call it that, on the glass against Kansas. It happened again in the game in Waco. They got the first bucket to go up 3 nothing, and then 18 points later, they're down 18-3, to and they never were really a part of the game. Um, just didn't feel like they had the excitement, the juice, as I like to say, just getting after people. You know, that this team has to defend to have a chance because of their shortcomings at times offensively, and in this game against the Baylor Bears, it just wasn't there. Yeah, I think in the last three games, KU, Baylor, Ole Miss, 
the bigs have been a factor for the opposing team, especially when it came to rebounding the basketball. And I, I've been practicing this name. You can rattle it off like it's no issue at all, but it's Jonathan Chamwu Chachuan. Chamwa Chachuan. Chamwa Chachuan. Chachua. Chachua. Yeah. Chana, Jonathan Chamwa Chachua. You can call See. him JTT like they do. You can call him Everyday John like they do. But I'm kind of one of those that likes to say the name. See, as a, well, I don't blame you at all, especially when you can nail it every single time after plenty of practice. Luckily, as a public address announcer, whenever you see a name like that pop up, I don't think Baylor does this, but there will be some players where the SID is like, oh, well, we just call him this. So you can just right. say that. It'll bail you out. You don't have to right. try to na- land that name every time and stick the landing. It's a great point, and here's why. I'll give you an example Go of ahead. what you'll face on Wednesday night with OSU. Matthew Alexander Moncrief. They will be okay if you call him M.A. Moncrief. Okay. I don't know how you get away with that with Jonathan Chamuchachua. Yeah, because Baylor still has to come to Manhattan, don't they? <laughs> That's right. Oh, get to boy. practicing, yep, buddy. I, I suppose. Yep. Oh, by, by the time the game gets here, I'm going to nail it every single time. and I'm gonna By get... the way, he was terrific. Oh, my God. He I... and Kendall Brown were the guys. Couldn't keep him off the boards, and he was, you know, both offensively and defensively, he was grabbing boards and 13 points, 12 rebounds, and to you know, keep this in mind, he was also coming off the bench. Yes. I mean, a, like a sixth guy type of thing, um, and not only that, he was rebounding, he was scoring the basketball 13 points and 12 rebounds. K-State just did not have an answer for that, and Ole Miss, this was the big issue I had with this game, was Ole Miss big Nicer Brooks, who has been a good rebounder. I thought he was actually, I think he was like second best in the SEC in offensive rebounds a game or something like that. I was really worried about that, um, and it turns out like our bigs against Ole Miss, I don't think they had a single rebound in that game between Davion Bradford, Casey Eziegu, and Ishmael Massoud. Now, Carlton Lingard did start that game, and he he, he got a bucket early mm-hmm. and a couple of rebounds, but uh, really wasn't so much of a factor other than maybe getting a, a poke at a basketball or two once in a while in that game. But Nizier Brooks, with six points and nine rebounds, was a factor underneath the hoop, a couple of offensive boards, and it's another game where K-State gets beaten on the boards and Cats are still winless this season when they don't out-rebound the other team. They weren't exactly crushed on the boards, but still, 43-33 is a pretty good advantage. Uh, to go back and look at the box score for Baylor, um, it was 39-28. I'm not even going to tell you what the KU game yeah. was. I'm just not going to do ugly. it. was ugly. Yeah, it was ugly. But think about what you just said here, and, and I guess depending on how much time you want to talk about this, K-State has to find a way to get some production out of the five spot. Yes, Davion Bradford was beat up. He played just a, a minute and 58 seconds, but no rebounds. Ish Masood had no rebounds in 15 minutes. Carlton Lingard had two in 17 minutes. I'm sorry, but that can't happen. It just can't happen. Fortunately for K-State, Mark Smith had a monster second half and ended up with 16 rebounds and kind of kept them around. But to be honest, I don't think K-State ever really threatened Ole Miss in this game. They were kind of hanging around for 40 minutes, but I don't think they ever really scared Ole Miss. Do you? I just didn't think they did. No, and I'm glad you brought up up Mark Smith Yeah, because we had the conversation on the show here Thursday or Friday – 
when we were talking about the team and what they could possibly do if they can get by Ole Miss, because that's a game you don't want to lose sure. if you're K-State when you're still on the bubble for postseason play in the NCAA tournament, which honestly doesn't really feel like that makes a whole lot of sense when you're 10-9, and nine, but the Big 12 has been really good. They're saying eight teams can get in, and don't forget uh, Oklahoma State ineligible for the postseason this year. That whole Adidas thing, mm-hmm. uh, they got a little trouble. So they get the uh, punishment of not being able to play postseason basketball for this postseason. But if K-State wants to sneak in there, you can't lose to Ole Miss, and they did. But Mark Smith, I, was, I, I said it a couple of times, he is somebody I'm not worried about if he does have a, a, a game or two when he's in a slump. You might remember against Arkansas and Illinois, you know, he didn't have the best of games. He was pretty low scoring, just wasn't much of a factor, although he was playing 20-25-ish minutes in those games. Fast forward to Kansas and Baylor, yeah, he was pretty quiet as well. Combined eight points against those two teams. He was like three of 18 from the field against those two. And then what does he do against Ole Miss? He gets his confidence back. It took him a couple of games, but he gets back to scoring the basketball. And I liked just his body language. He would go make a play, and then he wanted to go make another play defensively, get a rebound or force a turnover. He was doing everything for K-State, and he bounces back with a 20-point, 16-rebound game when K-State was really needing something offensively other than Nigel Pack. It's an interesting subject because I think what you describe can also be said about Marquise Noel. Excuse me, that may sound a little weird, but let me get to the thought here and see if you agree with this. The games where Marquise Noel has struggled from time to time is with very quick athletic point guards. Would you agree with that? Yeah, well, yeah. The young man we saw from Ole Miss on Saturday, and you can say what you want about how good you think or not how good you think Ole Miss is. I was there. I can promise you they're better than you think they are, and especially that kid. Say, especially defensively. He's, he's – I mean, let me, let me just throw this out just so, so you understand. Here's, here's Deshaun Ruffin's line. 33 minutes, 6 of 16 from the floor, which isn't great. Only took one shot from three. Missed it. 5 of 9 from the free throw line. But here's your point. 17 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal, and a block, and only 3 turnovers in nearly 34 minutes. That's a pretty decent line against that kind of competition. Yeah. I think Mark is this. You know, Mark Mark really went against some pretty decent athletes on Saturday, but I don't know that you would say he really had to go up against anybody that was quite like Adam Flagler of Baylor or Matthew Meyer or Kendall Brown. <laughs> Just being honest about that. So, yeah, really good athleticism kind of cancels things out from time to time, and yet. Just think about this. The two guys that we've talked about, Marquise and, and, and Mark, are still two of the more consistent basketball players K-State has had all season long. Yeah, Marquise, um, I, I mean, I would give credit to Ole Miss with their on-ball defending. I, I, I thought maybe they might mix it up, go a little zone, but they ran a lot of man, and they, they wanted to guard him. They wanted to guard K-State and, and make K-State prove that, that they can compete against Ole Miss and get on the, get on the scoreboard. Because, And I think another reason why they go – you know, zone there, or they don't go zone is obviously because K State can hit some threes. They hit yeah. eleven in that game, but also they're not too worried about the five down low. They're just making sure that they can just guard the 
get somebody on guards and don't try to let them drive or make sure they don't drive. Like Marquise Noel wants to drive. Mm-hmm. He wants to take the ball to the hoop, and he's going to try to go up strong, get a little circus shot in there, or he's going to kick it. He had a couple of good passes in there. Sure. But other than that, you know, Marquise Noel had a little bit of a rough game until down the stretch when he hit a, a three when K-State was trying to come back. Yeah, he didn't score until the last six or seven minutes of the game. And, and think about that statement for a moment because he's been really pretty darn good. I think at the end of the day, and this doesn't happen all the time, but when we're on road trips or at home, it will happen every now and again. But I'll see that scouting report, okay? And it said just right on there in big, bold letters, these guys switch defenses, be ready, be aware. But they didn't have to do that against K-State because there wasn't enough threat at the rim, and K-State was playing shorthanded at the four also because of the loss of Selton Miguel, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just telling you they were confident enough that they could play man-to-man and didn't have to switch to a 2-3 or a 3-2 or a 1-3-1, three-quarters court, half-court trap or whatever they were going to do. And they did it a little bit. But once they realized that they could guard K-State man-to-man, they didn't really come off of that. They just didn't. I wish I had on this box score where I can find like how many layups K-State ended up scoring compared to how many they took because – for, for most of the game that I saw, they had to take a lot of jumpers. They had to settle for three-pointers or deep threes, which they did hit some, but that's not going to be a 45% shot. Like what you would need to beat Ole Miss and try to have the, the tough offense that you would need to win a game like that against a team that, like K-State, Ole Miss is actually pretty good at defending three-point range. Mm-hmm. And they, they do, like K-State, kind of fall apart a little bit when the ball gets inside the arc and you can potentially get some paint points. Uh, that's where those two teams were very similar, and I, I suppose, in a way, Ole Miss won the battle yet lost the battle because K-State did hit 11 threes. Yeah, problem is that took 36 threes to make 11. Almost a school record. And also, if you really look at it, and, and this was the – you mentioned Nysir Brooks. Uh, he wasn't alone, but he was the main guy. Uh, the paint points were 32-14. That's just not competitive enough. You know, K-State only – committed five turnovers. They did some good things, but I think especially early they relied way too much on the three-point shot. And in part because they're just, <laughs> again, the, they started Carlton Lingard. Um, that's Which a, I was happy they did. That's a, I was too. I wanted to see how he would do against Nysir Brooks. They're similar athletes except for the fact that Brooks has just been around a lot longer. He's a grad transfer senior. Carlton, you know, was a junior college guy, and he's missed most of the last two full years. He's just he's not strong enough. He's just not confident enough right now to 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 really get a whole heck of a lot done uh, in that situation. Davion, you know, he he hasn't been the Davion at any point this year that we saw last year, especially in the last 15, 16, 17 games. And then you throw the injury to Selton. It's just that you just don't have enough. You just don't. I tell you what, let's take our first break. When we come back, I, I want to ask you one more question about the game Saturday against um, Ole Miss, and that's about K-State defensively. But when we come back as well, I do want to talk K-State women's basketball because they got some big news from the selection committee uh, for the women's basketball March Madness last week. You're listening to Wildcat Insider on K-Man.
Wildcat Insider on K-Man, Mitch Fortner and the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. Did you see, um, I just saw, saw this on Twitter before the show started and I retweeted it at Mitch the Fort. So uh, Tito's Vodka has invested $20 million into Texas Longhorn Athletic Facilities. Wow. Had not seen that. So I guess like Tito's Vodka was like the first vodka in America or something like that, and they're from Austin, Texas. Um, here's the deal. I use Tito's when I make Moscow Mules. Sorry, Tito's, but you just lost my business. <laughs> That's just the way it is. I feel a little betrayed. You're out, huh? Even though you're both in Austin, you've taken a side and you're sticking with it, so i got to take my side. I I can't argue with that. Man's got to do what a man's got to do. I'll go with New Amsterdam or something. Actually, I... <laughs> Actually, I just go uh, Mexican mules. That's uh, another a, a different kind of clear liquor, if you if I may say so. So, um, I suppose. Uh, oh, what's the tequila called that Bob Stoops has? Rock and roll tequila or something like that. That might be. It's like I a don't guitar is exactly, a but, bottle or something. No. Shout out to Bob Stoops getting on that before anybody else. That's a, that's it. I think that that's got to be an easy way to make money, right? You just start bottling alcohol. And sell it. Put it. Put in somebody's name on it and start selling it. Well, I suppose that's accurate. I don't know enough about it to really say either, that is it, that is true or it is not. But I will say this: if you are Bob Stoops in Oklahoma, it probably wouldn't hurt. Most people have at least heard of the guy, and I, I don't know if you would agree with this assessment or not. But I think Bob, since the retirement, coming back and helping in the bowl and doing all of those kind of things. Um, he, he's more relaxed. Uh, we've seen more personality out of him, and, and I've always known that he's a good personality guy. He's he's fun to be around in the right setting. There's no doubt about that. So, yeah, I, I think we've seen him kind of stretch it out a little bit, don't you? I just don't I, – I, I agree, but just vodka doesn't seem like a Texas drink. It, well, Maybe for those, you know, pinky-in-the-air, white-collar Texas fans, they – they're they're all on a diet, right? So they'll drink vodka, um, but like Texas just seems like more of a tequila place anyway, or beer, you know. Well, that that may be right. I, you're you're a little out of my league on this subject. Well, I, I I admit it. I, I'm not uh, what I know about vodka. You could put in a coffee cup, and I'm not oh, trying same. to be funny in any way, any, shape, or form. I, I don't know anything either. Yeah, not my, not really my drink unless it's a Moscow Mule. But I always turn it into a Mexican Mule. <laughs> I like to play crazy. All right. Um, one question I had, one more about men's basketball before we, I do want to talk about the K-State women, and that is uh, about Selton Miguel, first game without Selton, and uh, I just want to get your opinion on how you felt K-State still played. You could, I, I was going to go defensively, but really just in all areas of the, of the game without Selton Miguel. Well, I think you have to look at it from, from the entirety of, of the game, offensively and defensively, and we were visiting about this off-air for just a moment. Selton, think about it this way. He's a 25-minute-a-game guy and basically just under eight points and almost five rebounds per game. That is decent production out of a sophomore guy who's really more of a three-man playing mostly in the four position. With that said, I think everybody that follows Kansas State basketball would tell you that it's pretty much a, a certainty to say on a pretty decent defensive team with guys like Mark Smith and 
Mike McGurl and, and others that this is the best defender K-State has. Uh, and I think they missed him a little bit from that perspective on Saturday. And that's what makes it hard moving forward because you mentioned 10 days to two weeks. I happen to think it will be more along the lines of two to three weeks. Now, again, that's not necessarily a whole lot of inside information more than you have. But, um, you know, and he did go on the trip uh, this weekend to Ole Miss. And, uh, and man, they need him. I mean, they, they hang their hat on de- defense. And when your number one guy isn't there, the great part about him as a defender, he can pretty much guard the one through the four. Yeah. That's a rarity. And they missed that. And I love his ability to catch up with the defense, if yeah. you know what I mean. Like, teams will swing pass, try to set up the three-point shot, and guess who jumps in front of that shooter right when they want to launch it? Selton Miguel. He's the one leaping yeah. out there, getting his hands up, and that's what I do miss. In this game, as an example, okay, I'm sitting here looking at the, what, eight guys that, that Ole Miss plays. And because of injury now, that's about what they're using. Um, they did play Eric Vanderheiden a little bit more than normal, um, on Saturday, but it was still eight guys. They're they're down two guys. Their their best guard uh, is out. Uh, they have another you know six eight kind of kid who's out. But here's the point. I would say for Selton Miguel, if you're talking Brooks, Murrell, Fagan, Rodriguez, Crowley, and Breakfield, he could guard every one of those guys. I think the biggest issue that he would have would be with. Deshaun Ruffin because of his yeah. quickness. I mean that sincerely. He could, he wouldn't necessarily shut him out, but he could guard him. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big miss. And even with no Selton Miguel, you're still seeing the bigs, the the four of them, with the exception I would say in, the, in this old Miss game with Carlton Lingard, you're you're seeing the numbers continue to drop, and not just numbers. I'm more talking about minutes, like the minutes they're playing. Davion Bradford had a couple of minutes, uh, Ish played 15, but you're getting. 10 out of Casey, like those numbers all are obviously down, mm-hmm. and uh, yet you're still seeing them drop with no Selton Miguel, so that's now even more on the shoulders of the guards to try to make up for what they're not doing, the bigs, and also not having Selton Miguel, so that means you definitely need like guys like um, Luke Kasubke and Mike McGurl to step up and, and make some shots. Mike was was pretty quiet on Saturday, but I was I like to see Luke score a few buckets once in a while. He made some good shots. Yeah, he was two out of five from three and and was okay. The the thing is is and this is just me, I, I think we're talking averages here more than anything else, but you kinda have a pretty good sense of what Nigel's gonna bring to the table more times than not. He may have a game like Saturday where he was six of seventeen and then have a game where he's 9 of 14 or you know somewhere like that. Mark, again, I think it just he, he's been pretty pretty solid. Mike's a little more inconsistent with the shot. Remember when he first came back on the COVID protocol, he played really well when K-State upset Texas Tech yeah. and Texas. I mean shot really well. Not since then. Didn't do anything against Baylor and 1 for 9 on Saturday. And I think that's the the point with the – they've also had to go smaller uh, because of, of the lack of production and, in some cases, health with Davion. That also puts a lot more pressure on those guys. I mean, I'll just say it this way. Nigel was 6 of 17. That's a lot of shots for Nigel. Again, he's around that. I'm not saying it was an – 
an inordinate amount, but but it was harder shots. And how many other shots did he have to release quickly? Yeah. Well, a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to Kansas when everybody's kind of hitting on all cylinders in that first half, right? I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, right now they're just struggling, you know, to get production out of that and it it's when that happens, it just affects everybody. It's just it's just the nature of of the game. When I mentioned quickly with Nigel Pack, maybe he didn't have to release it quickly, but there are a lot of times there where were rush shots, he, he did have a window yeah. and he had to release it very quickly. He does have a quick trigger. Yeah. K-State women's basketball, they go 1-1 one one last week. They fall at number 9 Texas, 66-48, to 48, just an offensive struggle. It really reminded me of the Texas Tech game they played a couple of weeks prior uh, on the road. Just a really slow start offensively out of the gate. Uh, meanwhile, they come back at home on Saturday in front of 5,100. And it felt like a legit 5,100 at this game and beat TCU 63-54. I was actually a little bit worried about in that fourth quarter because TCU was hanging around. Yeah. They really hit some big shots. And a team that doesn't shoot well from three, they did a pretty good job. But they, they kept it a ball game. And they and TCU left Aokali scoreless in the fourth quarter, which that does not happen every day. Yeah. It rarely happens. And I was wondering if Coach Peebley maybe figured out the formula, the uh, maybe solved the equation of what to do in clutch time to take Aokali out of the game, and they kind of went zone. And K-State went scoreless for five and a half minutes in that fourth quarter. But they figured out a way. They still remain number 25 in this week's AP poll, so they stay put. And the big news last week when it comes to numbers is that they found out from the selection committee they are right now, they would be the uh, number 16 team overall selected in the tournament, which they'd make them a four seed if it was last week. That, to me, is huge news. Oh, it's really, really big news. I do have to say this, too, by the way. I was asked four different times from Friday night through Saturday night in Oxford, Mississippi, about Yogi. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Including a, a that makes me happy. Really nice young lady at the hotel who was kind of taking care of feeding our basketball program and so on. It was like, so tell me about this girl that scored sixty one in a game, <laughs> kind of thing. So they're getting a lot of run out of that. Is the point? But but being being one of the top sixteen seeds, you hope they kind of stay there. Man, if you you get a four seed, you got a chance to make some some hay, buddy. I mean, it's just what it is. And they've got some tough games left. There's no doubt about it. I'm glad to see them drawing better too. It's awesome. The, you know they they've got some hard games left. They what they still have to go to Iowa State and they're, I mean that's Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday, number eleven. Mm-hmm. And, and keep in mind what what that game was like here. Uh, you, you hope it's you know a tight, tense game up there. I mean, unless K State can blow them out, which you wouldn't assume that that would be a real big possibility up there. But uh, hey. Go down to the last minute with a shot. You take it, right, on the road? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you can find a way to maybe get that revenge, get that, re- get that revenge bank three. I'd take it. And steal one of names. That would be a monster win for the Cats. If you look at the top 25 in, in women's college basketball, you have five Big 12 teams out of the 10. In the top 25, Baylor, uh, Iowa State, Texas, and Oklahoma, they're all ranked above K-State. Well, K-State's 2-2 two and two mm-hmm. against those teams. That's a great track record. That's a good resume. Um, and I will say, what goes with that 16th overall pick in the in the uh, for March Madness for Selection Sunday or Monday or whenever they do it? Um, that actually comes with a lot. 
For those that don't know, if you are a four seed in the tournament, you host the first and second round. K-State actually did that, what, four or five years ago when Stanford had a gymnastics event. Right. So K-State got to host. And I'll point this out as well. Wichita has a regional this year. So what if K-State could get in that Wichita regional if they're on that portion of the bracket after beating a – in, uh, teams in round one and round two. That would be pretty <laughs> slick as well, I would sure. say. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun. Lots to, to accomplish between now and then. And But let's say they can you know, really finish uh, strongly here. Uh, who's to say they couldn't have it play out like that? Hosting would be amazing. K-State 16-5 no overall. They're 6-3 and three in conference play, so they're halfway through mm-hmm. uh, Big 12 play. And uh, the two games they play, they'll play at 6.30 on Wednesday. And that's at number 11, Iowa State, on uh, ESPN+. And then they'll host Texas Tech Saturday at 6.30. I'll be honest with you, when I walked into the game Saturday, so I, I, I raced back from McPherson, and I missed the first minute. And so I get there, there's nine minutes to go the first quarter. I walk in, I'm like, holy cow, there's quite a few people here. Sure. Like, they uh, they, they sold those uh, <laughs> tickets for a buck, and then season tickets for next year for $61. I was like, okay. This team's got some buzz going. I walked in, it just felt like a whole different feeling oh. in Bramlage when K-State women are playing. And uh, they also, they, they did take advantage of 61, that number. Uh, they dropped 61 parachutes from the rafters of Bramlage with a t-shirt on it. I think they threw out like 61 signed basketballs. They gave away posters. It was, uh, they made it a big deal, and rightfully so. Absolutely. Rightfully so, make a huge deal. Out yeah. of 61 points. I was talking to Jay Moline earlier today, um, works with our social media with all of the sports at K-State, and he, he was saying that one of the graphics that they put out on Twitter, I believe he said, it may have been Instagram, but I, I can't remember exactly which platform it was, but after that, that night, after the 61-point game, it got a million hits. Yes. Good. Can you imagine that? Good. That's crazy. Well, I'm just glad KCA women's basketball was getting that ex- not just exposure, just the attention it deserves. Sure. I mean, Aoki sure. Lee's been tearing up for two years now. Absolutely. And uh, 61 points, yeah, it certainly grabs your attention. Uh, when we come back, we'll, we'll, let's get to some of your Twitter questions. I think that's a good time to okay. uh, take a look at the social medias and see what the people have to ask here on Wildcat Insider up next. Wildcat Insider continues. Mitch Fortner and Wyatt Thompson. Like a lot of K-State men's basketball still to come at 5-10. I do want to get a little bit more into just you know how much the guards are just when it comes to a star role and carrying the team. How much the guards, how much work they've been putting in for K-State. Definitely in Big 12 play. Also, I mentioned Twitter questions before the break. I've actually turned one of them into a segment. We'll get to it at 525 about oh, Skylar Thompson and Russ East in the Shrine Bowl coming up on Thursday. Going to get a look from some scouts on hand and try to show off. They're actually playing against each other by the way, which could get pretty interesting if they're <laughs> both on the field at the same time. We will still preview to come what's coming up for K-State men's basketball this week, Oklahoma State and TCU, plus a look at the Big 12 as well. But uh, let's uh, take a look at what Twitter has to say for today. One of them, why it says uh, that he met you at KU Med. And on Twitter, his name is, um, well, it's a play on Jordy Nelson. It's Nordy Jelson. Do you remember this interaction with this gentleman? Not specifically. Says you're a great guy, by the way. Well, I, I appreciate that. I I met a couple, two or three different people there, um, and <laughs> I always 
more times than not, I'm wearing purple of some sorts with a power cat on it. So, you know, I, I, I get a few of those, but I, I appreciate him saying so. That's, uh, you know what? You go through life and people say that, that you're a good guy. I'm in. That's what you strive for. Do you ever get, like, if you're at a restaurant or something and somebody hears your voice, do they come up to you and recognize it? Well, that sounds like Wyatt Thompson. Does I, I would imagine that happens once in a while. One of the coolest ones that I've had was uh, at a golf tournament years ago where there were two young guys, probably about your age, playing in front of us. They were finished teeing off, and we were coming up uh, in, in our foursome. And I mentioned something to my cart partner, and I could tell that the two young guys closest to us, that they were having a, the kid just kind of like stopped. They were kind of facing away from us. But he started, you know, talking to his friend, and you could tell he was like, that sounded like, what's his name? Now, I don't think he said what's his name, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And it was kind of cool. And the, and the other kid, of course, said, well, yeah, who, who'd you think it'd be? <laughs> couldn't, couldn't hardly help but laugh at that. That's pretty good. I don't get that too much. It doesn't happen <laughs> you very will, often. You it, will, though. It's, uh, I, it's actually the most I get recognized is from K-Rock. I'll bet. Uh, doing that, yeah. now doing the night show from 7 to 12, but the fort, I get that. Sure. The fort. Yeah, absolutely. As, that's the gimmick. It's been around for a long time. <laughs> uh, walking with Wyatt, that was a, was that a social media thing that started this year? They're yeah. asking uh, how many you'll be doing this year. Well, you know what? We did a whole bunch of them for football. I think we did 12 of them, and I, I have to be perfectly honest about this. I hope the young guys that I talked to enjoyed it as much as I did. And I think a few of them, you know, getting reaction from them, I think they thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it was really fun for me. And I, and I, I mean, we started on the south goal line and just walked. And I, I tell all of them, look, this isn't like a pregame interview that I've done with so many of you. This is more about let's get to really know you. Tell us about your family or you know, whatever it might be. That's what I liked about it the most. It was just a, a, a series of other questions. The, the cool part was is it seemed like I'd, I'd spend 20 minutes with each guy. And, of course, you can't play the whole thing. You know, there's edits and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. But I wish there was a way you could play the whole thing because some of them um, very, very entertaining talking about you know, their families and what's important to them and school and campus and all of those kind of things that, you know, sometimes we just don't, you do a three or four minute interview in the pregame show with Deuce, you can only cover so many topics in four minutes. You know that. I'd love to be able to spend 25 or 30 minutes with him, wouldn't you? I used to, absolutely, sense. absolutely. Turn it into a <laughs> podcast or something. That would get, that, talking about bringing in ratings. Sure. Uh, I used to do a segment on this show called Meet the Wildcats where it was just, you know, a minute or two. I ask him really random questions about yeah. them. You know, like, what's your favorite movie? What's mm-hmm. your favorite book? Like, those kind of questions. What's your dream vacation? Sure. All Celebrity. Those, no, that's exactly, yeah. Th- it's This wasn't exactly that, mm-hmm. but those are the kind of things that a lot of people would kind of like to know. And I'll be honest with you, the biggest thing I've learned is that athletes maybe don't have the best personalities, the most entertaining personalities, not to hate on them or anything, but uh, – I, I suppose they just get so wrapped up in sports, maybe they don't think about themselves or their personal lives a whole lot. And what exactly is their favorite this or that, you know? Sure. That can be tough questions to ask sometimes or to answer sometimes. I would even struggle with it, I'm sure. Well, but but I will say this. I, I think some of those types of questions when I asked, you know, guys about 
you know, their family and stuff, some of the reactions were really, really special from my perspective. I mean, that, you know, the, like, I don't want to, I'm going to single one out here, and I, I hate doing that because there are so many good ones. But I remember talking about Philip Brooks or talking with Philip Brooks and about his return prowess and so on and so forth. And he, you know, he talked about his high school career and getting into that. But, but also he, he talked a lot about his grandfather and the influence he had on Philip as a player. It was really, I mean, I wasn't expecting that. It was really quite unique to hear. And he said, he, he's basically, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said his grandfather apparently was a heck of an athlete in his day. I'm not surprised by that. Are you? No. <laughs> Never. <laughs> those, are, those are kind of the fun, the fun things. Now, there is uh, one question I'll get to here, and that's uh, a pretty serious question. It is a big topic these days. Asked by Tyler Burns, uh, what do you think of Bruce Weber? And do you agree with the popular Twitter narrative that K-State needs to move on? That's that's a, a big question right now. Well, it is a, a question that I get asked daily, and I'm sure you do too. Yeah. First of all, uh, what do I think of Bruce Weber? Uh, I, you know, I've been around a long time. I've, I've been here 20 years. I've been in broadcasting 45-ish. Um, I think as a human being, he's off the charts. And I mean that as sincerely as I can say it. He's, he's terrific. With that said, you know, great – again, this is my opinion only. Great person, great husband, great father, great grandfather. I mean, you can't imagine the effort he puts into things. And up and above and beyond that with coaches versus cancer and all of the things that – the it's crazy how many times he's bought pizzas for the students and bought meals for people at the coaches' show at JP's and it's – you know, yeah, he makes a lot of money, but are you kidding? No, most guys don't do that. I, I just think that way he's off the charts. But with that said, we, we all know the last two and a half years have been a real struggle. I, I don't know what to say up and above and beyond that. I'm hopeful that we can, we've got a run in us here. Um, but, but I understand that, you know, hey, K-State basketball has been highly successful for a long time, and I think people would just want to see us, I say us, see K-State be better. You know, And I, I get that too. Hope, hope that somewhat answers it. Yeah, I agree. It, it's tough for me to answer it as well because I'm always, it, I'm always optimistic that K-State can go win every game. Sure. We've seen it plenty of times, the Cats pull an upset. That's that's our love of the school too and, yeah. and, the, and the athletics and, and all of that. I, you know, and that, That's, I think, what – what what it comes down to for everybody, whether you're the university president or the athletic director or donors or, you know, season ticket holders, they're all invested in some way, shape, or form, right? Students, I just, you know, it's a tough one. Yeah, and when the team's been struggling for two and a half years, it's hard to ignore, you know, the voices that are out there that saying want to change, and, and it's hard not to agree with it because you would like to see that program you love so much be in a better spot, sure. even though – the coach that's here now has brought success at times with a couple of Big 12 championships Absolutely. and a run to an Elite Eight. That's, yeah. for me, really hard to ignore and to not appreciate. Right. Well, I think we all appreciate it, but but I also think, you know, for those who are, you know, more critical, those who want change are going to point out to the, the peaks and valleys. I, I get that. You know, we, we all – you can't mask what last year was with, with COVID, young what have you? I mean, nine and twenty is nine and twenty. 
you can't dance around that hardly. You just can't. And with 11 games left, 11 games minimum, yep. that is with a game in the Big 12 tournament, I mean, it, it's crazy to think like there's still that outside chance that the team can make a run to the NCAA tournament. Is it likely? No. Um, NIT is still there, I suppose. But like, I'm one of those people that I mentioned earlier, I'm always optimistic. But if it's like, like you give me that 2% chance to get there, I'm going <laughs> to run with that 2% chance, and I'm hoping the Cats can get there and get it done. But it's still a stretch, and we knew coming into the season what it would take for another year of Bruce Weber basketball. Just doesn't feel like it's going to quite reach it, especially after when you fall to Ole Miss, a game that you needed. It hurts you more than it would help you uh, when it comes to the net ranking, Ken Palm, any metric you want to look at that you would consider when you put together a resume, and it's now starting to uh, – you know, it's now you're subtracting from it, and, it, and it's going to hurt you, especially down the stretch when you're not – beating a Baylor or a Kansas. Sure. Well, we all understand, you know, where the team is at and, you know, what lies ahead. And if you are one of those that, you know, sees the glass half full, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, there are opportunities that lie ahead. But now the season is, has been squeezed down enough where it's starting to be, you know, time to do it. Hour two of the game coming up next. How much the guards have been putting up with when it comes to carrying the team, especially the last couple of weeks. You're listening to Wildcat Insider.